Happy Sunday, everybody. How many of you know that change is good and sometimes it is just good not to be predictable? And I say that to say this, we're going to do service a little bit different this afternoon. The renowned Tony Evans hosted a leadership summit this past weekend and his opening message was so profound that I wanted to share it with you. And because the way that we are doing church now, we have been afforded some creative ways of doing ministry. And thanks to technology, Tony Evans can speak directly to the Bible Deliverance Church congregation on a Sunday afternoon. To God be the glory. Now, although his message was for church leaders and pastors, I thought it befitting to all of those who are confessed and professed believers. And as you listen to the message, you will understand exactly what I mean when I say that. And I hope that you are encouraged and you embrace the word that he that goes forth and that is ministered through this incredible vessel of God. In case some of you are not familiar with who Tony Evans is, let me give you a brief synopsis of his bio. Mr. Tony Evans, Pastor Tony Evans, founded the Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship in Dallas, Texas in 1976 with 10 members meeting at his home. He also founded the Urban Alternative, a national organization that seeks to restore hope and transform lives through the proclamation and application of the Word of God. The Urban Alternative radio broadcast hosted by Dr. Tony Evans can be heard in over 1,400 outlets daily throughout the United States and in over 130 countries worldwide. Dr. Tony Evans has served as chaplain for the NFL Dallas Cowboys and is a former NBA chaplain with the Dallas Mavericks. He has taught evangelism, homiletics, and black church studies at DTS and serves on the board. Dr. Tony Evans was named one of the 12 most effective preachers in the English-speaking world world by Baylor University. In 2017, Dr. Evans launched the Tony Evans Training Center, which is an online learning platform providing quality seminary-styled courses to equip Christian leaders. Dr. Evans also holds the honor of writing and publishing the first full Bible commentary and study Bible by African American. He is also the author of over 100 books. So I say to you, listen to this man. He's full of wisdom. He's full of word. Let us pray. And then the very next voice that you will hear will be Dr. Tony Evans. Father God, in the name of your son, Jesus, we give you glory and honor. And we thank you, O oh God. We thank you for this day. 
And we ask you to open up our hearts and our minds to receive your word. And let us not just be hearers of your word, but let your word resonate in our spirit and in our hearts, igniting a fire in us that petitions every essence of our being to become dedicated. Well, I want to thank my youngest child, Jonathan Evans, for leading us through that prayer experience. Amen. Amen. Well, I've got some uh, bad news. The Church of Jesus Christ is now the visiting team. When a football team goes and plays against another team on their home field, they go at a deficit because the crowd is not on their side. When they're playing at home, that means the crowd is with them. When they're praying away, that means the crowd and the other team is against them. There was a time in our culture when the Church of Jesus Christ had home field advantage, where the culture supported a Judeo-Christian ethic and worldview. There was a time when the schools and the politicians, and even though it wasn't perfect, the Christian worldview was at least respected. Churches were valued and not marginalized. This is not the case today. We're in a postmodern era where God, Jesus Christ, and the Bible sit on the sidelines, and so does his church, because we're being booed by the culture. No longer is it accepted that the Bible should be consulted as a standard by which decisions are to be made on the definition of life and family and even how a nation is to function. We are the visiting team. Now, a visiting team is still expected to win. They don't, they don't succumb to the reality of being in enemy territory. But when the team decides it's going to acquiesce to the environment that it is in, it can expect to lose. We're living in a time when the Church of Jesus Christ is losing. And we're losing on all fronts. I was sent a few days ago something where a congressperson from, from Florida, congressman from New York, quoted me on the issue of morality and on the issue of the definition of humanity as male and female. And they quoted me and said that in their presentation in that congressional meeting. Uh, when he finished, uh, the head of the meeting in Congress stood up and said, there is no place for God's will in this chamber. That, that hit me as another illustration of the marginalization of God and God's way and God's will in our secular society. Now, the problem with all of this is that the Church of Jesus Christ has been a co-conspirator in the demise of the culture. We have made it easy for the society to reject our worldview, to reject the Bible, the God, and the church institution because we have failed to be what God has called us to be, which has opened up the opportunity for the systems of this world order to become the home field advantage for them. 
and make us the visiting team. That drew my attention to uh, Ezekiel 37. Now, if you're familiar with your Bibles at all, you know about Ezekiel 37, the Valley of Dry Bones. Israel was the visiting team in Babylon. Because of their failure to give God the worship that he deserved, because of their compromise with idolatry, God allowed the Babylonians to become the home team. And they found themselves incarcerated in a culture that rejected them and that rejected their God. We find in Ezekiel 37 that the Spirit of the Lord leads the prophet to a valley. Now, valley is a low place. <laughs> it's between two hills or two mountains and it's very low and it was full of bones. It was jam-packed. We're told that these bones in verse 2 were very dry. What do we mean by dry? Verse 11 tells us. It says, our bones are dried up and our hope has perished and we are completely cut off. You know what dry bones means? A hopeless situation. And the more I go around, the more I listen to ministers and ministries, I hear hopelessness. What are we going to do? Uh, with the world going left like it is, infiltrating all of our institutions, what are we going to do? Because we are disconnected ourselves. And how can a disconnected church make a difference in a disconnected culture? He says we are in a desperate situation. And if you haven't looked closely these days, it ought to be inextricably clear these are desperate times requiring desperate measures. We're in a time when people have stopped going to church. People have stopped respecting the church. People have marginalized the church. And they want God for invocations and benedictions as long as he stays out of the meat in the middle. They don't want his decisions they just want to pay respectful homage to him. And even that has gotten on shaky grounds. The Valley of Dry Bones was referring to God's people in a secular society. The New Testament equal to that is the church. Just as Israel was God's kingdom people in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, the church of Jesus Christ represents God's presence in the New Testament. Just as Israel was expected to be a light to the nations, God expects believers, the church, to be a light to a broken world. So if the light is not on, then the world is going to live in darkness. <laughs> so we can't complain about how dark the world is when there's no light in the sanctuary when the church of Jesus Christ is full of dry bones. He speaks to this issue through the prophet, through the prophet who raises a statement that ought to blow your mind. God says to him in verse 3, Son of man, can these bones live? Is it too late? Are we too disconnected, too broken for too long? 
Is it possible that this desperate situation in the church, which has facilitated a pagan culture, can these bones live again? <laughs> and the prophet gives an answer. He says, oh Lord God, you know, translation, I don't have the slightest idea. This stuff looks so bad for so long that I don't think it's reversible unless you do something supernatural. Unless you come down in this hot mess we're in and turn this thing around, I don't see it. Only you can answer that question. Because when I look out, the prophet says, only you know, because I don't know. I don't see an answer to this mess apart from a miracle. And so that's the situation he was in. That's the situation we are in. You've heard me say it before, let me say it again. God will not skip the church house to fix the White House. Ephesians 3.10 says that God checks with the church before he deals with the principalities and powers. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 22 and 23, all things have been handed over to Christ, but Christ has only been handed over to the church. And the church is to infiltrate all things on behalf of Christ. So the failure in our schools, the failure in our government, the failure in our families, the failure in our communities can be tied to the failure of the church, the failure in race relations, the failure in class relations, the failure in cultural relations, the failure in political relations can be tied to the church. We've been more racial than biblical. We've been more cultural than biblical. We've been more secular than biblical while calling on the name of Jesus. And until we understand that we are the valley of dry bones, don't expect Babylon to get much better. Only the church, the church is the final firewall for the preservation of any semblance of an orderly society. And if that firewall breaks down, there is no hope left. If the dry bones stay dry, then all hope is gone. Now, having given you some bad news, <laughs> and I know you see it in the news, you see it in your communities, you see it because the churches are being attacked, even by its own members who don't want to hear from God. And sometimes even that is promoted by the leaders. He's given instruction in a desperate situation. Again, he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. He says, I want you to talk to the bones. Yep, the dry ones, the ones in the low place and didn't have any hope and he couldn't see any, any turnaround. He says, I want you to prophesy. Now for all you preachers and teachers and spiritual leaders, when he says prophesy, he's saying more than teach the Bible. To prophesy, to give a prophetic word, was to take God's truth and apply it to a specific situation. Prophets didn't come with vague verses. They came with specific, relevant, rhema word to specific, relevant people in a specific, relevant time who were facing a specific relevant scenarios. So this is not just general Bible teaching. Now, there is a place for people to learn the Bible. That's a good thing. 
But a prophetic word comes usually in the Bible in a desperate situation. It comes in a situation where stuff is on collapse, okay? So God would send a prophet with a prophetic word. That's why the New Testament says, despise not prophecy. Don't reject a prophetic word that may come through preaching. It may come through teaching, but it's not a general, it's not a general word. It's a definitive word for desperate times. He says, speak to the bones. Now, these bones are in disarray, don't have skin, muscles not intact. Uh, they disunified, they scattered all over the place. It was a bad situation. He says, but I want you to talk to them. And I want you to tell the bones, he says, the word of the Lord. Not human opinion. See, we've got cultural Christians, racial Christians, political Christians. What we need are some kingdom biblical Christians, okay? Some Christians who take the word of God, not like it's the word of man with a little God sprinkled on it. The Bible is the voice of God in print. It is not one word to be put alongside of all words. The Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. That means whoever disagrees with God is wrong, no matter how much you like them, okay? No matter how much you appreciate them. Go ahead and like them and appreciate them, but they're wrong when they disagree with the word of the Lord. So you prophesy my words to the dry bones. Don't give them political strategy. Don't give them social strategy. Don't give them uh, various theories. You tell them what I said, but relevantly, based on my word to their broken, dry, dead, non-productive situation. So he says, prophesy to these dry bones. He comes and then he says, when you do that, I will cause breath to enter you that you may come to life. He gives a promise. He says, I know you don't know how to fix this problem, but I know how to breathe life into a lifeless situation. I know how to resurrect stuff that looks like it's died. I know how to bring hope to a hopeless situation. We desperately need the dry bones of the church to become alive again, vibrant again, potent again. A non-compromising church, full of love and full of compassion, but equally full of clarity. Today, we live in a day when too many churches are giving an uncertain sound, where they're trying to mimic the culture, but sprinkle enough of God on it so it looks and sounds and feels legitimate. That's not what we need. We need a prophetic word today a definitive word, a non-compromising word. And so he says, if you want life, you better speak my word to this difficult situation because God checks with the church first. So when he does that, he says, I looked. Well, after I proclaimed God's word, I looked and sinews were on them and flesh grew and the skin covered them. He says, I saw something happening. When I proclaimed the prophetic word, there was some movement taking place. Muscles coming together, bones coming together, skin. I saw some shifting occurred when the prophetic word was being proclaimed. But there was still a problem because according to verse seven, excuse me, according to verse eight, 
there was no breath in them. In other words, like Franklin, Frankenstein. Frankenstein was anatomically correct, but until he got a, a, a jolt of lightning, it had no life. The parts were there, but it still had no life. So you can have structure and still no impact. You can set up your programs, you can set up your staff, and you can be structurally, anatomically impeccable, but still dry, dead, hopeless, helpless, and non-impactful, but your structure's in place because you've heard and, and listened to the Word of God. That's not enough. And this is where we get a curveball. It's a big curveball, but it's a critical curveball. Look at what he says in verse nine. Then he said to me, the Lord said to him, prophesy to the breath, prophesy son of man and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on the slain that they come to life. He says, prophesy to the breath. Wait a minute. He had said earlier, prophesy to the bones. And why were the bones in the valley? Because they had been whipped. It says to these who are slain. They've been beaten into submission by the new home team. Guess what? The church has been slain. We've been beaten into submission by the culture. The culture said, we don't buy what you say. We don't, appreciate, we don't value what you think. We don't care what your God says, what your Bible says, or we don't care what you say, and we're going to whip you. We're going to run over you, and we're going to leave you out there as a dead church full of dry bones. It says, they were slain. We've been whipped. Now, we've been talking a good game. We've been talking about the power of God, sufficiency of God. We've been talking about, you know, he's so high you can't get over, so low you can't get under, so wide you can't get right. That's talking a good game. But it says they were slain. They were whipped. We've been whipped in our schools. We've been whipped in our neighborhoods. We've been whipped in our politics. We've been whipped. Full of dry bones. But now they got some skin on because they didn't heard some prophecy, heard some words. But he says, Listen to this, prophesy to the breath. Now the breath is the Holy Spirit from the four winds. That's the complete earth. The Holy Spirit uh, 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 hovered over the earth in creation and brought order out of the chaotic environment so that order took place uh, where the water was mixed with the land and, and uh, uh, where, where things were not shaped properly. It says the Spirit of God came over it and brought harmony in the middle of it. That's what we got here. He says, prophesy to the breath. So watch this. Preaching the word is not enough. He told him to prophesy the word of the Lord. And he prophesied the word of the Lord. Now it was foundational. It was critical. It was substantive. It was meaningful, but it was insufficient. He says, until you prophesy to the breath, there will be no life. Let me put it another way. 
until the Holy Spirit is engaged with the Word, the Word will not produce the life that the Word has been set up to produce. We need preachers and teachers, spiritual leaders, if you will, who are tenaciously committed to the inerrant Word of God. We need people who are not ashamed to say, thus saith the Lord, with love and compassion and clarity to the dry bones. But we also need preachers and teachers and spiritual leaders who prophesy to the Spirit, that is, who bring the Holy Spirit's presence alongside of the Word because it's the Spirit, the Scripture says, that gives life. The Bible is a living book, but the Holy Spirit activates the book to produce the life in the dry bones of the church that's been overrun by the secularism of the culture. So he says, prophesy to the breath. In other words, the word of God, I told you to speak to the people, take that same word and speak it to the spirit. Connect, you know the Bible calls the Holy Spirit the spirit of truth. Did you know the word, it's the word and spirit and they must operate together? If you have the word without the spirit, you have truth without life. If you have the spirit without the word, then you don't have the information necessary for the spirit to work to give life. It must be the spirit. So look at this. He says, prophesy to the bones. That's the people who are slain. But then prophesy to the spirit. Prophesy in the valley. That's earth. Prophesy up in, the, uh, up in heaven because that's the spirit of God. The spirit of truth, when brought alongside the word of God, begins to transfer bones in the valley that look like they could never be transformed. Information. You know, Jesus says in John chapter 5, he says, you search the scriptures because in them you think you have eternal life, but you don't come to me. In other words, you're doing Bible study and you're doing preaching and you're teaching your Sunday school class and your small group, but you don't have the relationship that's needed for the Bible to come alive and to produce life. That's why even in Bible teaching churches, we aren't seeing people change. They're hearing the word, they're amending the word, they're agreeing with the word. So they got some skin on, they got some muscles, but they still don't have life because things aren't changing. And the way you know you're growing is you're changing. That is, you're being more conformed to Jesus Christ. We'll talk about that in our next session. But what he says is that I want you to prophesy to the Spirit. When you go to a restaurant, you go there to eat. They give you a written menu. That menu gives all that's available to you from that particular establishment. Sometimes you can salivate over the menu. I mean, the stuff looks good. Ooh, that looks good. This looks good. That looks good. Because you're excited about the menu. Then comes a waiter or waitress. And what do they do? They explain the menu to you. They will even say, do you have any questions? So they interact with what you read. So you read it and then they proclaim it the way to a waitress. They tell you about it. They explain it. 
But I bet after you've read it, after they've explained it, I bet you don't get up and leave because that's not why you came. You didn't come to read a menu or just to have somebody preach it to you. You came to eat. In other words, you came to experience what the menu talked about. We got a lot of Christians who go to church to eat, but are satisfied with reading the menu and hearing from the waiter behind the pulpit, rather than engaging with the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, God the Father was the superstar, and Jesus and the Holy Spirit are mentioned. In the Gospel, Jesus is the superstar, and the Holy Spirit and the Father are mentioned. In the church age, the Holy Spirit is the superstar because Jesus says, I'm leaving, but I'm going to send you the Spirit. And when you get the Spirit, you'll get life and you'll get power. And he will glorify me. Unless there is through worship, prayer, and spiritual engagement with the Holy Spirit, the prophetic word won't be enough. Now, it is foundational. It is critical. It is necessary but it won't be sufficient to bring life to a lifeless church. Throughout the Bible, God waits on his people before he moves. You'll see this over and over again. He doesn't just tell you what he's going to do. He tells you what I want you to do prior to me doing what I said I'm going to do. Why? Because he wants to see faith. He wants to see that you take him at his word. He wants to see you lead the way to demonstrate you have confidence in God. We are a dry church in a hopeless situation surrounded by a decaying culture. But if the prophetic word and our relationship with the Holy Spirit is ever activated, when we don't just show up for Bible study, but we're there for worship, we're there to engage God in the process, something will happen. And so he says, as I prophesied as he commanded me, verse 10, and the breath came into them and they came to life and stood on their feet. An exceedingly great army. It's time to stand on your feet. It's time for pastors to stand on their feet. It's time for deacons and elders and deaconesses to stand on their feet. It's time for congregations to stand on their feet. It's time to get up. Because we, 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 we land, we, 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 we land down as a valley of dry bones, talking a good game, but seeing no impact because we're being controlled by Babylon now because that's exactly where we're living in an idolatrous secular culture because of the idolatry of the church. But when the Spirit of God engaged them, it was an awesome army. I like that. It wasn't just an army. It was a show enough army. It was a, he says it was a great and awesome army. Now, what do armies do? Last time I checked, they fight. Last time I checked, they protect. Last time I checked, they help things to be governed properly. Our fight is gone. We've acquiesced to the culture. We're like a team that's uh, on foreign soil on enemy territory, laying down so the enemy team can just run up and down the field at will. You've seen games like that, where the other team is just giving up. 
We're like that army. We, 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 we've thrown in the towel. And I know we've thrown in the towel because we've acquiesced to the culture. You see preachers changing their sermons, changing the biblical view. You see them acquiescing to popular opinion rather than standing lovingly, compassionately, but clearly on the revealed word of God. And as a result, we've got pastors in the valley, pastoring people in the valley, and everybody drive from the pulpit to the pew and from the pool, pew back to the pulpit again. What we need is a great army. And a great army is driven by a prophetic word based on the written word, but it is a relevant word, consistent with the biblical word, but engages the Holy Spirit. I had a problem in my home where the igniter in my, um, in my heater went out, so I was cold, the heat wasn't coming in the house. I thought I needed me a new unit, so I called the heating and air conditioning guy over. He looked at it, he said, no, no, you don't need a new unit. Your igniter is not working. And that's a little teeny piece, but it sends the message for the pilot to light so the fire could come on so that the heat could blow. But because the igniter wasn't connecting, all of the parts weren't working, although they were there. The prophetic word puts the parts together. The Holy Spirit called the igniter lets the pilot come on so the fire is lit. That's why one of the names for the Holy Spirit is fire, because he's the igniter. He, he brings life to a difficult situation. So when the word and the spirit comes together, something happened. So look at what happens. Verse 11. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried up. Our hope is perished. We are completely cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus saith the Lord God, behold, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves, my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel then you will know that I am the Lord. When I have opened your graves and caused you to come up out of your graves, my people, I will put my spirit within you and you will come to life and I will place you on your own land. Then you will know that I am the Lord who has spoken and done it, declares the Lord. So watch this. God has let us dry up. God has let stuff get worse. I call this the passive wrath of God. When he lets stuff get worse, it's worse. One pandemic on top of another pandemic, that another pandemic, and then a variant of that pandemic, and just one thing on top of another. And God let it happen to show us how weak we are independent of him. He let it happen. And he let it get so bad that we were without hope, don't have any answers. And then he says, if you will do it my way, based on the prophetic word and engaging the Holy Spirit through worship, prayer, fasting. He says, I'm going to open the grave because, you know, the bones become just bones in the grave. I will open the grave and I will give you life. And then he says, and then you will know that I, the Lord, have done this. So let me tell you how God does this. He lets things get so bad that only he can fix it. 
He'll let things get so desperate that only he can change it. But he will only do that on his terms. So that's what we're committed to. We're committed to the unadulterated, uncompromising, said in a loving and compassionate way, but we are committed to the word of God, but not as an end in itself because we need the spirit of God to activate it and set it on fire in the hearts of spiritual leaders first and then through them to the people that they serve. Now, I hope that this is your commitment. I hope that this is your desire. And this is what this conference is all about, trying to encourage, strengthen, and ignite you in your service to a different level of passion, fire, desire, goal, not to the culture, but to the Christ, not to the stands where they're booing and cheering, no, but to the kingdom of God based on his word. When I was growing up in Baltimore, Maryland, we had duck pin bowling. Now for those of you, because that doesn't, it's not around much anymore, duck pin bowling was a small bowling ball that you used, not the big one where you put your fingers in it. And you rolled it and knocked down the pins. Back then the technology was very weak. Wasn't anything impressive. So when the when the entity came down to pick up the pins, it often would leave pins behind. It wouldn't get them all because it was antiquated system. In the middle of that, you would regularly see the footsteps of a person behind the lanes going up and down to pick up pins that had been knocked over and set them up straight again because the equipment just didn't, didn't get the job done. Now you never saw this guy's face. <laughs> you only saw his feet. <laughs> but his job, he only had one job, setting up pins that had been knocked over. Well, the church has been knocked over. It's been knocked over by the bowling ball of the culture that's decimated our impact and influence while we carry on with programs. But there is an unseen person who knows how to move from lane to lane, life to life, family to family, church to church, and set up pins that have been knocked over. We don't see his face, but we can see his work when the pins start standing up again, showing life. The world is waiting on the church and don't even know it. God is waiting on the church and he tells us. He's ready to set us up straight again from being knocked over in our valley of dry bones. If he can ever find a church, a group of churches. That's why we're initiating through the Urban Alternative our three-point plan to call churches together in every community to get the dry bones working again so that the life of God can be seen publicly. Because this is not a day for secret agent Christians in every community led by the church because they don't know that their last hope is the church. If we're gonna save the culture, if Christ be not come, I hope you will recommit yourself to the prophetic word, to the engagement of the Holy Spirit so that we can see the transformation and revitalization and impact in a culture that is under judgment because the dry bones 
are still located in the valley. May we start that renewal and revival now. I pray that this message ministered to your heart and your mind and your soul and has inspired each of you to become more committed and be more influential to the body of Christ and in your individual churches. I encourage you, if necessary, to rewind and listen to the message again. Also on our website, www.bibledeliverance.org, if you click on our bookstore, you will find several books written by Dr. Tony Evans as he continues to minister and pour into the lives of so many. I thank you again for joining us this afternoon. And if you desire to sow into this ministry, you can do so on our website. If you're looking for someone to partner with you in prayer, you can start that process on our website. And if you are looking to partner with the ministry, that process can also be started on our website, www.bibledeliverance.org. Again, I thank you for joining us this afternoon. Be blessed.